How many of you have found yourself recently going back to old movies? There's nothing on TV. We've probably binge-watched every single possible thing on Netflix. And so now all there really is is to go back and to start watching things we've already watched before. TV shows that we watched back in the day. And I was thinking about that this week, and I I was thinking about one of my all-time favorite movies when I was a child, and it was this, Back to the Future. Now, some of you who are over or who are under 30 will have no idea probably what I'm talking about. But Back to the Future was, uh, was, was brought out in 1985. I was 10 years old. And it, it was uh, Michael J. Fox played Marty McFly, a teenager who encountered this crazy Dr. Brown who was an inventor and he had a DeLorean car which he had turned into a time machine. Remember the flux capacitor? And he goes back in time to 1955 and enters the time period when his parents were his age. And it's just this incredibly funny story of him almost uh, interrupting his parents meeting his the, the, the woman who ends up being his mom ends up liking him and he's to try and undo this mess and eventually he gets back to 1985 at the end of it. And it got me, me thinking, if you could have a time machine right now, where would you go? If you could go back into the past or forward into the future, what would you do? If you had a DeLorean in your driveway with a flux capacitor ready to go, would you go back into 1990, 1980, for some of you 1950? Or would you go forward into 2030 or 2040? I think, honestly, the vast majority would go back. You'd go back into some time in your life that you regard as being a really happy time. Maybe your teens. Maybe before you were married, if that's you, do not nod right now if your husband or wife is beside you. Maybe you'd go back to your childhood. Maybe there's times in your childhood. Maybe there's a, a, certain, a certain job you were in or a certain place you were living. And you have so many fond memories of that. I actually don't think a lot of us would go forward into the future. Maybe one or two of us would, the crazy ones. But I think, you know, if you had the choice to go back or to go forward into, say, 2025 or 2030, I'm not sure many of us right now would be that excited about it. Because while, while we might not like what we're living in now, we have no idea. You know, kind of the better the devil you know. I'd rather not know the devil at all. But, you know, who knows in 2025 what you'd be going into. You could go into 2025 or 2030 and the good old days could suddenly become 2020. Do you ever think about that? Most of us would go back in time because most of us in our lives, if we're being really honest, have a period that we think of as the good old days. And I think that has become very evident recently uh, as we've gone through 2020. The past feels safer and more secure than even the present or the future. Some of you will know, my, my background is actually in marketing. My, my first degree was in marketing and advertising. And I, I read still a lot of marketing things. And I was reading an article just this past couple of weeks. And it said that the big thing in this year is going to be this, what they are going to call nostalgia marketing. Nostalgia marketing. 
Nostalgia is this. Nostalgia is a sentimental longing for the past, typically a time or place with which we have positive associations. And it was talking about Netflix at the minute. There's a program called Cobra Kai on at the minute, which for a while has been the number one show on Netflix. And to be honest with you, I've watched it. It's okay. It's not a great show, but it's based on The Karate Kid, one of my other favorite movies from the 80s. Remember Mr. Miyagi, Wax On, Wax Off, and all of that? And it was asking, why is this kind of average show doing so well? And it was because for many people watching it, it's bringing back memories of a better time. There's a nostalgia attached to that. And that's what we're starting to see in many places of our culture. You know, vintage clothes, um, retro furniture, old school music, even some of the board games that we used to play back. In, you know, we've, we were trying to find a Monopoly uh, game to buy a few weeks ago. Simply, I don't know, because we wanted to teach our little boy about the game that we played when we were a kid. And we dominated Mayfair with hotels and all of that. You know, old school music remakes of movies. Just this week I, I was uh, downloading, watching um, uh, Wonder Woman 1984. You know, it's a remake of the 1984 Wonder Woman. And we're seeing a lot of that. There's this sense of, Trying to draw people back into a better, more peaceful, more happy time. And I think we're going to see more and more of that in the days ahead. That there's going to be this nostalgia, this, this longing to get back to the 80s and even the 90s. And you know what? I was a, a kid and a teenager in the 80s and 90s. Can I say they weren't that great? But there's this sense that we look back now with rose-tinted glasses. And if only things could be like they were then then wouldn't we all be happy again? Wouldn't it be great? There's this tendency and desire in the midst of the uncertainty and insecurity to retreat into the past. And what I really sense God saying is this, at the start of 2021, I want you to step forward this year, not go back. I want you to step forward into the future that I have for you. I want you to step forward into the great plans and purposes that I have led before you in 2021. And I, I, the phrase I keep getting is this, that this year is pregnant with possibility and opportunity. That 2021 is pregnant with possibility and opportunity if we are willing to take hold of what God is putting before us. And I'm so aware that as I say this, it can sound cheesy, it can sound like a, a motivational talk, it can sound like positive psychology, and I can sound like Joel Osteen, the preacher from Texas. That is not me, that is not how I preach, Okay. This time last year, while everybody was giving positive, uplifting messages for 2020, I was giving more negative doom and gloom messages, if I'm being honest. Because prophetically, I'd sensed last year was going to be a difficult year. But prophetically, this year, here's what I sense. It can be the best of times or the worst of times, but you have a choice. That as we enter this new year, God is placing before you an open door. But it is your choice whether you go through it or not. It is your choice whether you 
go through that and take hold and embrace everything that God has placed before you this year. Or you can stay where you are, or you can try to go backwards into the good old days. I'm not saying that 2021 is going to be perfect. There will be challenges. There will be difficulties. There will be strains. There will be stresses. I mean, let's be honest, we're a week into it and it hasn't exactly been brilliant so far, has it? Just watch the news the last week. It hasn't been the best year of our lives. But I do believe that 2021, if you will take hold of what God is placing before you with faith and confidence and courage, it can be the best year of your life. For many of you. I was with some of our worship team just on Thursday night there. And and I said this, that I honestly believe for hope, 2020 was the best year we ever had. And I really mean that. While everything was a mess around us, and honestly, I am very conscious of the struggles personally. For our church here, God's favor and blessing rested upon us in such a powerful and incredible way. We used to reach a few hundred people a week who were in the building. During 2020, we, by the grace of God, were able to reach multiple thousands of people with the gospel. While many churches saw their giving decline, we saw God bless our finances in this church. And there's many other things. We saw people come to faith more than we've ever seen before. We have seen more new people come in than we've ever seen before. We have seen the presence of God in our gatherings more than I've ever experienced that while that's in the three years that I've been here. So in the midst of it all, God has been working in us and among us. And I really believe that this year for, for us as a church here in Hope and for you as an individual, God is placing before you an open door, but he won't push you through it. God is placing before you an open door and you're the only one who can shut it. And the choice is yours. Through our decisions, through our mindset, through our actions, we can embrace what God puts before us or we can choose to stay where we are or regress into the past. And so today is really just... I guess for me, it is an exhortation to encourage you to step forward into this year. And I know that many of us are licking wounds from last year. I know many of us are entering this year with significant struggles and scars from 2020. I am not unaware of that. What I am asking you is if in the midst of that, will you still look ahead and believe in the goodness of God? That the best is not back there, but actually the best might be out there. I'm asking you, will you, with the eyes of faith, see beyond what's going on around us to what God might be doing among us? Because I really with all of my heart believe that God is doing something incredibly powerful in our midst and actually in our world right now. I really wholeheartedly believe that. And so what I want to do is just to take a few minutes and look at Numbers 13 and and a little bit at Numbers 14 and, and try to encourage you with what God has been speaking to me about from his word this week. And 
I want to look, first of all, at, at Numbers 13, 1 and 2, and then 17 to 20. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am given to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up into the Negev and onto the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So here's, here's a little bit of background. Most of you will know it. God's people had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. God speaks to Moses in the desert at the burning bush, says, go back and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh's reluctant, but after 10 plagues, eventually the people come out. They cross the Red Sea and they're journeying forwards towards the promised land. This is about two years later, okay? And they find themselves on the cusp, on the on the edge of the land that God has promised, not just them, but that actually God promised to their great, 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 great granddaddy Abraham before that, that he had promised him a land of their own, a land where God's people would dwell. And they're literally standing on the edge of it. They can see it. And so God says to to, um, their leader Moses, why don't you send 12 guys in to check it out? Why don't you send 12 guys in to come and report back just to let the people know, I've told you it's an incredible land. I've told you it's amazing. So why don't you send them in just to come back and motivate the people to go and and move forward? And so that's exactly what he does. It's the opportunity of a lifetime, really, for them. And so uh, Moses picks 12 people and they go out and they check it out and he says, bring me back a report. Look at verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community of Kadesh in the desert of Paran. Then there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which he sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites and Cellulites live in the hill country and the Canaanites near the sea and along the Jordan. So they come back from being in the, the exploration, the wreck, the recce for 40 days. And it actually, a few verses earlier, tells us that there's these two guys because he said, bring back some crops, let us know when it was the grape season. And it tells us there's these two guys carrying a pole with a huge bunch of grapes. I mean, who doesn't love a big bunch of grapes, okay? And these two guys are carrying a pole and it's basically a sign of just the abundance of the land that 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 the that, that the land is so fertile that the, remember this was an agricultural uh, culture and so it was all about the land. I mean, when it says that it was a land flowing with milk and honey, it doesn't mean that the river Ban running down the middle of the land was full of milk. Okay, that's not what it's saying. It doesn't mean that honey was flowing down the street. To say that it was a land flowing with milk meant that the grass was so good that the cows were so healthy that there was an abundance of milk. 
Honey in those days was considered, I mean, you didn't go into your, your Tesco's or your Asda and buy a little pot of honey. It was, it was seen as a very expensive, precious food. It was a luxury item. And yet it says in this land it's flowing with honey. In other words, there's abundance, there's plenty, there's no lack whatsoever. These are people who have been living as slaves on rations in the bare minimum. And God is saying, that is not how I want my people to live. I'm placing abundance before you. No lack. There will be so much that it will feel as if that which is scarce elsewhere is flowing in the streets it is an incredible place and so they come back and they're carrying this big bunch of grapes and you would expect everybody to go wow let's go get some grapes excuse me that's what you would expect but look at verse 28 with me but but the people who live there are powerful but i hate those buts you know what there's always no shortage of but people, okay? That's what I've discovered in life, that there's always but people out there. There's always people will go, well, I see what you're saying, but. Or that's a good idea, but. Or it could work, but. Or, you know, we, we should change it, but. Or you're probably right, but. And there's always a but in there. And then they actually bring in the negativity after that. Anything after the but is rarely good in my experience. Look at what they say in verse 28. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, but, uh, but the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified or very large. We saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites, the Hittites, and all of those. They just start bringing in all of the obstacles, all of the negativity, and all of the problems. They start bringing in all of this stuff that says, but we shouldn't do it. Yes, it is exactly what God said. God, what, what God said to us in his word is true, but here's what we saw with our eyes. And so what are we going to do? Are you going to believe what God said? Or are you going to believe what we saw? What are you going to allow to determine your future? What God says or what we saw. What God's word says or what our report says. Yes, there's grapes, but there's also giants. There's opportunity, but there's also opposition. There's favor, but there's also fights. There's blessing, but there's also battle. And with every but that they brought back, the people's hearts started to sink. Look at verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. In other words, Caleb just went, shut up everyone. That's in the message version. He said, we should go up and take possession of the land. But, <laughs> but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Caleb says we can do this because God is on our side. God has already told us he's given us the land. All we have to do is go and take hold of what God has promised. 
but the others say we can't. They say the opposition is too great. They say the people are too big. The obstacles are, are insurmountable. And then they start to say, you know, like, like we, they were giants and, and we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we appeared the same to them. Really? Did they interview them and go, hey, how do we look to you? And they were like, well, you look like grasshoppers to us. No. They're starting to get completely irrational because when people are consumed by fear, they become irrational and they start to make stuff up. And that's exactly what's happening here. They're so consumed by fear because of what they see around them that they start to just become completely irrational and start to place more faith in their own report of what they saw than in God's word and what he has said. And there's Joshua and there's Caleb who are saying, we can do this. And then there's 10 men on this side saying, we can't. The problems are too big. The obstacles are too high. And the opposition is too strong. And isn't that what you find right now in life? Isn't that what you find anywhere? That typically, if if you have 12 people, you'll have two positives and 10 negatives because misery loves company. That you'll have two people who are saying, we can do this, but to the 10, they will seem crazy. And there will always be a majority of people who will prefer a negative story than to believe God. There will always be a majority who will rather believe what they see with their eyes than what God said. The majority are not always right, folks. We need to understand that in this culture because for too long the church has tried to placate the majority out there. We have thought if we can only, you know, be nice to the majority, if we can only win the world with our kindness, if we can only water down the gospel. You know, our goal is not to placate the culture. Our goal is to be faithful to Christ and to do his word. We will never fulfill the mission and the purpose that God has given us while we're trying to placate the majority out there. The majority are nearly always wrong, especially when they're doubting what God says in his word. Look at what it says. Verse 32, they spread among the Israelites a bad report. Have you ever noticed that bad reports spread better than good reports? There's something in the human psyche, it's kind of weird, that there's something in the human psyche that's more drawn to a bad report than a good report. They say in the media, my background was in media and and advertising marketing, like I said, there's there's a saying in journalism, and it's this, if it bleeds, it leads. If it bleeds, it leads. In other words, the more fearful and negative and scary the story, the higher it goes in the priority of what is reported that day. When is the last time that you saw a news headline saying 236,000 people recover from COVID? I haven't seen one. When's the last time you saw a news headline telling you how many people had died in the last 24 hours of COVID? Every single day for the last 10 and a half months. (laughs) Isn't that strange? Why? Because recovery doesn't sell newspapers, but death does, sadly enough. There is something in the human heart that, that is more concerned with avoiding pain 
than accomplishing pleasure. <laughs> avoiding negativity, avoiding anything that might harm us and inheriting actually the good things that God has put before us. And so they spread a bad report. Here's the thing. Nowhere on their job description were they asked to come back and give the information that they gave. They were asked to report about the land, whether the soil was good and not much else. And they come back and they start to give their opinion as experts on what is really the case there. Bad reports and negativity are much more contagious than good reports. Do you know what it says in Psalm 112.7? It says this, The righteous will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. The righteous will have no fear of bad news. Are you righteous? Are you a son or daughter of God? Then according to the word of God, you should have no fear of bad news. Why? Because you're steadfast trusting in the Lord. Philippians 4, 8 in the King James Version is talking about do not be anxious about anything. And then it says, whatever is of good report, think about such things. Whatever is of good report, think about such things. Most of us spend hours every day scrolling through BBC, scrolling through social media, watching the news, fixing our minds on negative reports, and then we wonder why we're feeling negative. Can I tell you? Garbage in, garbage out. You cannot think wrong and live right. You cannot allow your mind to be filled with negativity and expect to live a positive life. It is absolutely impossible. You can fill your mind with what God says or you can fill your mind with what the world says. But you can't do both and expect to live a godly life. This is so, so important. The voices that we listen to will set the direction of our lives. The voices that you allow to predominate your mind and your thinking right now will set the direction of your life. We see it here. God had already told the people, I have given you this land. It's a done deal. It is yours. The only thing you have to do is go in and take it. And yet, they put more faith in a bad report from the people than they do in the word and the promises of God. Chapter 14, verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Look at what it says. They all raised their voices and wept aloud. In other words, the negative report that they have been thinking about has affected them emotionally. That is exactly what is going to happen. If you feed your mind on negativity, you cannot expect to live a physically, emotional, or spiritually healthy life. We are whole people. We cannot separate one aspect of our lives from our other. We are spirit, soul, and body. And what you allow into your mind will affect your health physically 
It will affect your emotions and your heart, and it will affect your spirit. That is simply the reality of who we are as human beings. If we listen to too many negative reports, we will start weeping. If you listen to enough negativity and feed your mind on bad reports, don't be surprised if you end up feeling miserable and hopeless. And then and we see that they turn their emotion to anger. Eventually, actually, they want to stone and kill Joshua and Caleb. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that interesting? I don't have time to read that. You can read Numbers 14. But they actually suggest stoning Joshua and Caleb. Why? What had they done? Did they steal stuff? Had they been immoral? Had they killed something? No. They had brought back a positive report. It has been amazing to me in the midst of this how angry people get when you're not as afraid as they are. When they are consumed by fear and paralyzed by the bad report and you're choosing to trust God in the midst of this, it's amazing how angry people can get at you. They say you're sticking your head in the sand. You're being an idiot. You're being a COVID denier. Can I say to you, I am not a COVID denier. COVID is a real disease that is damaging and hurting real people, okay? So let's just get that on record. I believe that COVID is a real thing and it is Deeply dangerous for, for, for a certain uh, group of people who will get it, okay? Let me just get that out of the way. But can I also say this? That in the midst of that, I also know many, many, many more people who have got it, including family members who have maybe had a rough week or two and are completely fine now. Many more. I know people from our church who have had it and have been able to work away in the midst of it at home, isolated. But if I share that story, some of you get mad right now. Why? Because you want me to buy into the one story that you heard of somebody from Balamina or somewhere who died from it. And I am not diminishing in any way the, the loss of that. Believe me, I am not. What I am telling you is I, would, I am not going to allow that one awful story to be more powerful than the hundred other stories of people recovering. Both are viable. But I am choosing by faith to say, God, I, I, I believe that is true and I believe that is true and I believe you're good and that you're God and that you're in control. And that makes some people really mad because they want me to be as sad and as, as, as negative as they are. And I can just, I'm just not going to do that. That's not who I am. As Christians, we are people who believe in the God in this word who is in control and is sovereign and is Lord. I feel like I'm banging that drum every week and that's okay. But he is on the throne. He has not given up his supremacy. He is unrivaled. He is unmatched. He has not abdicated his throne nor has he vacated it. And his will will be done. And then look at what they say in verse 3 and 4. Wouldn't it be better to go back to Egypt? Let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. <laughs> oh dear. That's that nostalgia thing I was talking about earlier. When things get tough, when there's opposition, when there's obstacles, we hearken back to the good old days. I mean, wasn't Egypt amazing? Wasn't it wonderful being slaves? 
Wasn't it wonderful having no personal freedom? Wasn't it wonderful living on rations? Wasn't it wonderful getting beaten every day? They start to look at the past through rose-tinted glasses and they would actually rather go back to the subject, uh, subservience of, of slavery than into the freedom of faith that God has put before them. So here are God's people. I'm going to finish up now. Here are God's people at this pivotal transitional moment in their history. And this is what I want us to see. They have had a difficult past in slavery. There's an open door in front of them into a good future where God is saying there's something new, a land of abundance that I have before you. But there are challenges and obstacles also in their way. And there's negative voices all around them. Does that sound in any way familiar to where we are right now? And they've got to ask themselves this question. Do we step into the future clinging to the promises of God? Do we stay where we are and keep wandering in the wilderness? Or do we go back to the past, to Egypt? Do we return to slavery, which was miserable, but at least it was predictable? At least there was certainty. We knew what to expect back there. And honestly, at the threshold of 2021, I believe God is putting a challenge before you and I right now. He's saying, you've come through a difficult year. You've come out of a difficult past. 2020 has impacted and affected every single one of us. Nobody's unscathed. We've come out of it. And there's challenges and there's obstacles and there's opposition ahead. But there's also an open door before you. And I am placing before you opportunity. I am placing before you blessing. I am placing before you um, the, 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 the possibility to do something really significant this year. To step into something new. To walk into all I have for you. But it's up to you if you'll walk into it. And God's saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me? This is a threshold moment. Will you trust me? Or will you stay stuck where you are? Or will you keep hearkening back to the past, to the good old days, to the glory days, which, if we're really honest, weren't that glorious? See, here's the thing. I think there's this illusion at the minute that when COVID goes, life's going to be perfect. And we're... Many of us are waiting for perfect conditions before we get out of our bunker and move forward. Can I say to you that if we were to get rid of COVID today, we would still not have perfect conditions? Was 2019 perfect before it? No. There, there's never perfect conditions. There's just what we have in front of us imperfect conditions there will always be obstacles there will always be opposition and there will always be things that are standing in our way as challenges but God is saying in the midst of that will you move forward and that means something different for every one of us okay but I believe God wants to ask you today will you move forward into 2021 by faith for some of you, that might mean taking some step of faith. 
For some of you, that might mean doing something new. For some of you, that might mean doing, uh, going further in your relationship with God. For some of you, that might mean stepping into a new job. It might mean looking at new opportunities. It might mean uh, seeking God for what he has for you. But I believe that the challenge that God has put before you today is this. Will you stay stuck? Will you live in the past? Or will you, by faith, based on my word, my character, and who I am, will you go forward? Because I'm placing an opportunity before you. There is a door open, and you're the only one who can shut it. And it's up to you. And you know, in the end, only two of them made it into the promised land from that whole generation. Joshua and Caleb. The two who had faith. The two who saw what everyone else saw. You see, this is not about denial of reality. Okay, Christians are not people who deny reality. We also just believe there's a greater reality than what we see. And because Joshua and Caleb were the men of faith, they were the only two from that generation who made it into the promised land. The ramifications of their negativity 38 years before that of the people prevented them from inheriting what God had for them. I wonder, that was 24 hours of their life. I wonder if they could have changed the decision they made back then, would they, as they wandered in the wilderness for the next 38 years. You see, the decisions we make have ramifications. They may seem like they're, they're, they're momentary, momentary decisions for, for the present, but actually the decisions we make today, especially when God challenges us, have ramifications for our future and can affect more than just this moment. And so in the midst of all the turbulence and turmoil around us, in the midst of the chaos and crisis, God is saying, I'm putting before you an open door. Will you walk through it by faith? Whatever that means for you. You know, there's just two stories. You know I love stories. One, somebody I know who's been coming to the church for just a, a few weeks, they, they are uh, some sort of engineer and work with metal products. And when lockdown happened, they, they weren't able to produce the goods that they had been producing because there was no market for them anymore. Do you know what they did halfway through lockdown? They started making the little dispensers for hand sanitizer. This is a young guy in his 20s. And I said, how did you do? And he told me how he did. And they did incredibly well. You see, they could have looked at the market and when the market's closed, let's hunker down, let's just get our 80%, let's just do nothing until everything. And they went, no, how can we make an opportunity out of this? And they had their best year ever. And I was talking to him just two weeks ago, and I said, what are you doing now? He says, well, we're now making gym equipment because all the gyms are closed again. And they've designed incredible gym equipment, and they're going to do Why? Because in the midst of opposition and obstacles, they see opportunity. Isn't that incredible? I read another story about a guy called Bran Acton. Bran, in 2009, went for an interview on Facebook. He didn't get the job, and uh, he 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 was disappointed, but he wasn't overly. He didn't allow it to devastate him. He actually wrote on Twitter. His his post is on Twitter still to this day. He said, went for an interview on Facebook, didn't get it. Sad, but I met some lovely or, or incredible people along the way. Next thing, whatever it is. Do you know what he did? 
he was a guy in his 40s. So he, Facebook at that stage was employing kind of the 20-something hipsters. You know what he did? He took his skills and he thought, well, what can I do? And he went to work with one of his buddies. And they developed a little app that some of you might have heard of. It's called WhatsApp. Some of you have probably heard of it. And just a few years ago, do you know what they did? They sold WhatsApp to Facebook for $19 million. There was opposition, there were obstacles, but they turned it around into an opportunity. Can I say to you, this is not an easy time. This is not an easy time for any of us, okay? Some more than others. But you have a choice right now. Will you focus on the giants or will you focus on the God who is seated on the throne and is saying, if you trust me, I will bring you into this land, into this future that I have for you. Where are you going to fix your eyes right now? Where are you going to fix your focus right now? Because wherever you fix your focus and the voices that you choose to listen to will determine the direction that you go. And if you listen to the bad report, you will not go in a good direction. But if you listen to the God of heaven and what he says in his word, and if you will step forward by faith and confidence, in the midst of all this turmoil around us, if you will step forward trusting in him, I honestly believe this could be the best year you've ever had. I'm believing it for me personally. I'm believing it for Hope Church. And I want to believe it for you. Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me now that, that in the midst of this all that we would be able to fix our eyes on the one who is enthroned in heaven and listen to his word and not the negative reports around us. Father God, we surrender to your word and we submit to your authority today. And Lord, in the midst of so many negative reports around us, we say you're God. We say your word is the only word that endures and lasts and stands. And so today we choose to fix our focus on you. Yes, there's giants around us. Yes, there's negative reports around us. But Lord God, we declare that there's no giant and no negative report that comes anywhere close to your power and authority. And so Lord, we surrender and submit ourselves at the start of this year to what you want and to your word. And God, whatever that means for each one of us, to take the step. What is the step that God is calling you to take? Right now, why don't you say, God, what is the step that you're calling me to take this year? How can I move forward into the good future? Because God has placed before you an open door and right now I believe he's saying you're the only one who can shut it. What is the step that you can take to go deeper with God? To go further? To go to go higher and to step into the good future that he's placing before you. And if you're not a believer, if you've never put your faith in Christ, that is the step you need to take right now. There is no more important step you can make in your life than putting your trust in Jesus Christ and saying, I'm going to follow you as my Lord, my Savior, my God, and my King. So right now I'm going to pray and would you join me? If you don't know Christ, I'm going to exhort you in the strongest terms to pray this with me and receive Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your son Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross and rose again. I put my trust in him. 
Forgive me my sins. I repent today and I turn in faith to Christ. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. From this day I choose to live for you. Thank you that I've been born again of your Spirit. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love, love, love to hear from you. Would you drop us a message on social media?